Let's pray together before we come to look at this part of God's word in Matthew. Father in heaven, we praise you for sending your son, our Messiah and Lord and King Jesus. Lord, we pray that you might help us to trust him, whether for the first time or more and more today. Uh, By your spirit, speak through me, I pray, words that are helpful for building us up. And Lord, we pray that by your spirit, wherever we watch and listen this morning, that your spirit would encourage our hearts and lead us to turn to Jesus in whatever situation we find ourselves in today. Amen. Well, sometimes in the Christian life, things don't add up. We cannot work out what God is doing. We might find ourselves asking, why don't people get justice? That's what Lynette Taylor's husband said in June after Richard Pusey, who filmed her dying on the Eastern Freeway after Pusey got only a three-month jail sentence. He said this, We're terribly disappointed and shattered that he didn't get what we would consider an appropriate sentence. Maybe not getting justice is something that you live with and you feel the impatience, frustration, confusion. Or maybe we go through hardship. Maybe we go through hardship and we've found ourselves, maybe you've found yourself asking, if God loves me, then why has he let this happen to me? Or why hasn't Jesus come back already? Waiting can be hard and we can become discouraged, dismayed. And we'll see shortly that John the Baptist experienced that. But even when things don't add up, we'll discover that Jesus is the Lord. He is the friend of sinners and he can be trusted. The first half of this book of Matthew is drawing to a close. As we heard from Andy in chapter 10, Jesus' disciples were called to proclaim his kingdom and to persevere when suffering for it. And now Jesus shifts from teaching the 12 disciples to teaching people in the towns. And in chapters 11 to 13, we'll learn about who Jesus is, his identity, and people will need to work out, are they for him or against him? And so John the Baptist's disciples, they come up to him, to Jesus, with a question. And remember, it was John who baptised Jesus back in chapter 3. And there John was preaching judgment. And that the one to come after him would bring the judgment and pour out the Spirit. John had warned wicked Israel to turn from their sin before the Messiah comes in judgment and John's not seen any of this yet. He said the axe is ready to cut down the trees and the Messiah will burn up the ungodly, but he's still waiting. In chapter 4, John had been arrested by King Herod. Chapter 14 tells us that Herod had divorced his wife and lured his sister-in-law to leave her husband and marry him. And John denounced Herod for this and paid the penalty, prison. What's more, he'd heard reports of Jesus' ministry, wonderful, powerful works of mercy, but no judgment. And his followers come to Jesus and ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? This is our first of three points this morning. Uh, Who is Jesus? 
And so for John, uh, things don't add up. Uh, He's finding that hard. He's perplexed. He's confused. And he asks, who are you, Jesus? It seems he's having doubts in the dungeon. He's not necessarily lacking faith that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. God come to earth to rule and rescue his people. He is likely puzzled, confused. And Jesus answers their question by quoting scripture, as we heard in the kids' talk. He says, tell John what you see and hear. Verse 5, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor are told the good news. Jesus here is referring to prophecies about the servant of the Lord, the Christ who would come in passages like that on the screen, Isaiah 35, chapter 42, chapter 61. And if you remember, way back in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, when we looked at that, remember this is Matthew's eyewitness account of Jesus. We read of Jesus healing the blind, the paralyzed, the leper, the deaf, raising the dead. And fulfilling Isaiah 61, Jesus is the one who is to come, who preaches good news to the poor. John was confused. Jesus took him back to the Bible, to Scripture. Who is Jesus? As the fulfiller of Scripture, he is the promised one, the servant of the Lord. Jesus is the Christ. That is, he's the promised king and rescuer. Do you know that Jesus rescues and restores and saves but he will also judge. Down in verse 10, uh, Jesus quotes Malachi 3 verse 1, which says that the messenger prepares the way before you. And that that you there is, is God coming to earth. It's the Lord Almighty, the Lord of armies coming down to earth in judgment. Isaiah 35 says that too. This means that the Lord Jesus coming In the Lord Jesus coming, God is coming. The question is, when will Jesus bring the judgment? People can misinterpret, misunderstand Jesus and the timing of the salvation and the judgment that he brings. Now, I'm no astronomer, but if in the night sky you look up and see the stars of the Southern Cross... All the stars appear far away, but to us, they look, the stars look quite close to each other. But do you know that the star at the top is 88 light years away from us? And the star at the bottom of the Southern Cross is 232 light years away from us. And one light year is about nine and a half trillion kilometers. Those stars are not close to each other at all. From a distance, they just appear close. It's the same when you look at mountain ranges, like these Adirondack Mountains in New York State. Mountains in the distance can look quite close to each other. But the Adirondack Mountains have over a 100 peaks, spread over nearly 1 million hectares. Mountains can appear close, but actually be far apart. 
And a bit like that, Old Testament prophecies, they spoke of God's blessings and judgments that the promised king and Messiah would bring. But what wasn't clear in the Old Testament, what wasn't clear to John the Baptist, was that the blessings and the judgments would come in two stages. Jesus' first coming would bring many of the blessings, but also judgment on himself. Because on the cross, he suffered the judgment for our sins, didn't he? But we'll have to wait for his second coming for the final judgment of all people. The end time blessings have broken into history. They are experienced, but the judgments are delayed. So there's a now and a not yet aspect to this. For we own for and a now and a not yet aspect that, that John didn't realize. The Messiah's blessings, that they come now and not yet, for we only get their fullness in heaven. But God's final judgment upon sinners is not yet. I wonder if that makes sense. To simplify it, we might just say that Jesus brought salvation the first time and judgment the next time. But to the Old Testament prophets, it seemed that both would come at once with the Messiah. I hope that makes sense. So who is Jesus? He is the one to come. He's the promised Messiah. God himself come in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God's promised king, the saviour and the Lord, and that's his identity. He restores and saves his people now, and eventually he will bring judgment. Next point, who is John? Verse 7, John's disciples, uh, they leave from talking to Jesus and Jesus speaks to the crowd about John. John is someone that people went out to the desert to see. They didn't go out to see something ordinary like a plant. They didn't go out to see some rich royal wearing soft silk. No, they went out to see a prophet. This man wearing camel's hair. John is a messenger from God. And even if he misunderstood the Messiah, he's not weak or a failure. And if people are starting to question John, Jesus says, don't. Verse 11, everyone of everyone ever born, no one is greater than John the Baptist. I remember uh, Muhammad Ali famously saying, I am the greatest. I know he meant at boxing, but still Jesus says something different here. Besides Jesus, no one was greater than John. No one else was more important or had a more special role. And yet, whoever is least in God's kingdom is greater than John. By this, Jesus likely means that John belonged to the old order. He was the last Old Testament, Old Covenant prophet. But being in Christ's kingdom means you're even more privileged. Jesus' disciples, even the little children who come to him, even you, are, you and I, we are among the least in God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. 
You might be watching this morning and you might be five years old. You might be a preppy at school. You might feel the least. But if you've trusted in Jesus, you are special and you are blessed. Let's all think about that and be amazed that that we are in the kingdom, Christ's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. We live this side of the cross and the resurrection. We know, we believe that Jesus came to die for our sins and rise to destroy death. We know he's coming back. We get to understand who Jesus was and what he achieved. We're blessed. Christians are now closer to Jesus than John was. He's with us. We're blessed. And it's an amazing privilege. But why was John so special? Because he was the forerunner to Christ. He personally had the job of pointing people to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. In verse 10, Jesus quotes Malachi 3 and says, John prepared people for God himself, the Lord of armies to come. Jesus is God come amongst us. I mean, what a role. What a role to be able to say, look, God himself is coming. God himself has arrived. Come and see. In verse 14, we learn that John is the Elijah who was to come. Here Jesus is quoting the very last verses of the Old Testament from Malachi chapter 4. Now John isn't Elijah reincarnated. He's a second Elijah. Another huge prophet who would come before God comes and come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Malachi chapter 3 and 4 It says lots about God's judgment. Like in chapter 4, verse 1. Look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies. And Elijah, John, will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And so in Matthew 3, John had been preaching that the Messiah would bring eternal fire. And so John was expecting Jesus to preach judgments, which he will do in our passage next week, and expecting him to bring the judgment. And for John, Jesus wasn't turning out to be the Messiah he expected. Still, John isn't waiting for someone else. As we've seen, Jesus is the Messiah who will bring it, just not yet. So John is puzzled. We could say he has his doubts about Christ. I wonder if you've ever had doubts about Jesus. Maybe you've doubted that God is real. Or that you've doubted God's love for you. Have you ever doubted that you really do have a place in heaven through faith in Jesus or doubted that you will escape God's judgment. I think if we're honest, most of us have had doubts at some time. To have doubts is normal. 
If that's you, I I encourage you to remind yourself of what Jesus says here and in this book of Matthew. I encourage you to pray, God, help my unbelief. Don't hide your doubts. Like John does, come to Jesus. Ask questions, seek answers. Maybe you could find some answers in a little book like this, How Can I Be Sure? Or maybe it would be helpful for you to talk to a Christian friend or leader. Or if things don't quite add up for you regarding Jesus, or you're just still working that out, I encourage you to sign up for the next Christianity Explored course starting soon. I'd love to make a time to meet with you when we're able. This brings us to our final point. Who is Jesus to you? We're going to consider the response of Jesus' first hearers before thinking about us. Verse 12, if you look at verse 12, it highlights that there's many who oppose and reject Jesus. Uh, This verse is difficult to interpret or to translate. The footnote in the Christian Standard Bible, it could be correct if you were to look at that. I've got it there on the slide, that the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And that is as courageous people enter it by turning to Jesus. Jesus' kingdom advances as people turn away from rebellion and autonomy and turn to him and submit to him. All verse 12 could mean, and it's also true, that people are forcing against it. So the violent refers to the zealots, the Pharisees and Jewish leaders who are trying to attack, plunder, pillage the kingdom. And Christ's church was and is suffering violence. As Andy shared over the last two weeks, enemies of King Jesus seek to violently oppose his people and oppose the truth. Remember, John has been imprisoned for speaking the truth. Jesus himself will be violently abused and executed on a cross, won't he? Christ's kingdom is being forcefully opposed. Why? Because people reject Christ and his lordship over them. Next, we have others who just ignore Jesus and don't respond to him. In verse 16 and 17, Jesus is saying people are like children playing games. Now, maybe you're a tween or a teen who likes watching dances on TikTok, but maybe those videos never motivate you to get up and dance yourself. Or maybe you're a younger child who likes playing mums and dads. Well, Jesus says in his generation that kids played weddings and funerals. But whether the kids asked others to dance with them or mourn and be sad with them, they don't. They do nothing. Jesus goes further than this, and he says most people are like whinging little kids who can't be pleased. You just can't win with some people. Verse 18, John didn't meet their expectations. John didn't eat and drink and celebrate. He was falsely accused. Jesus did eat and drink and was happy to party, and he got accused of being a glutton, a drunkard, 
On top of that, he was accused of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is saying, you hate that I hang with sinners. You hate that I heal the unworthy. You hate that I preach repentance. You hate that I proclaim the gospel. You hate that I have authority. But Jesus won't play by their games, live by their terms, or meet their expectations. And in the end, his deeds, verse 19, will prove he is wise and truthful. As we heard in the kids' talk, in the end, his resurrection will be the deed that vindicates him. For actions speak louder than words. So who is Jesus to you? Someone to be ignored or rejected, even opposed? Many agenda setters in our society today, they want to silence and squash Christian views in the public square, keep Jesus out of schools, out of politics, out of workplaces, and fine, they want to fine and imprison anyone who doesn't follow their agenda. We see this in matters of marriage, gender, morality, and Jesus' exclusivity. Should you keep Jesus out of your life and out of public view? Or to you is Jesus the one you're not offended by? Verse 6, the one who has brought you blessing. For you know he's the one who brings healing and wholeness and heaven, even though you may still be waiting for that. But fellow followers of Jesus, you will experience that in heaven and in the life to come, that healing. Or maybe you're waiting for freedom as the COVID restrictions have stopped you working, brought you financial hardship, loneliness, stress, confinement, maybe depression. And why our Lord permits this may not add up. I know that waiting can be hard. It's just a matter of time, though. Just like Jesus wanted John to wait and hang in there, and keep trusting him, I hope that you can too. And if you've trusted in Jesus, you're going to heaven for you're a member of the kingdom of heaven. And if you've trusted in Jesus, then he is your friend. And what a blessing, what a comfort to have Jesus, the friend of sinners, verse 19, as your friend. He went to the cross He hung on that cross until he died to save you, to save you and I from the sin and the judgment that it deserves. To have the Son of God, to have the Messiah and King, the Lord of all, as our friend. What a blessing. So turn to him in your sin. Turn to him in prayer when you're anxious. Turn to him when you are down. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear.
And you need Jesus as your friend. Because if he ain't your friend now, then on the last day, he will be your judge. So by faith, will you take him and have him as the Lord of your life? He's faithful and he is worth it. And if he is your Lord and your friend, then will you listen to him? Verse 15, you are to listen to him. And we show wisdom when we listen to him. Verse 19, the proof of wisdom is in the actions it produces, both for Jesus and for us. So by God's grace and the wisdom he gives, when we've turned to Jesus, it's going to show itself in our deeds. Our lives will show the truth and wisdom of Jesus and the difference it makes. The difference he makes. In August 2017, Tamron walked into Kurong, uh, the Christian bookstore. She says, my hair was dark, my face lines in despair. I had soul, but not life. I was so blind that I couldn't see. It's the first day in forever that I picked up a Bible, the Bible to read from it. And that was the day I met Nicola, a worker at Kurong Blackburn. I was asked to go in and pick up a message Bible for my partner who'd been in a Christian drug and rehab centre in Victoria. Tamron says I was spiritual but not religious. I had a warped vision of what being a Christian was. I asked Nicola for a hand in finding the Bible and her warm persona and kindness was like that of a big hug that I had been waiting for. That warmness is what I would come to find is Christ working within us and his spirit shining through us. I was telling up my money, wondering how I'd have enough to get one, a Bible for me too. Nicola came back with a Bible and she handed it to me and said, this is a gift for you. Tamron asked Nicola to write in it and she did, quoting Exodus 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Nicola didn't know that Tamron was, and in some parts was still, an abused woman with a previous marriage breakdown, alienated from her girls. In 2015, an arsonist burnt her house down. She lost everything. She'd suffered many mental breakdowns, was on many, many medications. Tamron says, I found it hard to leave the house and I sat on the couch for a year, barely even living. I pretended I was happy, but inside I was in the type of pain only those who've been in the dark can comprehend. I was broken. That was the first day I prayed over my Bible, and was led to Psalm 18. That whole passage fed my hope in a wonderful way, a powerful way. Thank you, Jesus. Tamron says, that day changed my life. I'm now a gracious fruit bearer of a sound mind in God's loving grace. I quit smoking I don't drink alcohol anymore. I stopped cursing. 
My heart has been transformed. I've accepted Jesus into my life. My partner asked me to marry him. I was baptised in the ocean at San Remo in February 2018. I have bared witness to Christ. He's restoring my family. I have been able to gift Bibles to others and pay it forward. Praise God for giving me vision when the darkness blinded me. I think both the lives of Nicola and Tamron prove that Christ's wisdom is right. Their lives vindicate how Christ saves people and changes people. They show how following Jesus is best for us, best for others. And maybe one of their examples has inspired you to show by your deeds that Jesus is the Lord and the friend of sinners. Maybe it's inspired you to show kindness or generosity to a person in need or to turn to scripture for hope and light in your darkness, to love others that you can, even in lockdown, maybe it's one person. How will you respond? Sometimes things don't add up and we can wonder what God's doing. But in Jesus, you will find wisdom, truth, and life. Don't ignore him or reject him. He brings salvation. He will bring judgment. He is the, the Lord to be listened to. So respond to Jesus. Trust him. Live for him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are God come amongst us. We praise and thank you that when you first came to this earth 2,000 years ago, it was for us, for our salvation. Thank you for dying our death and taking our judgment on yourself. We thank you that you are even still a friend of sinners. We pray, God, that you might help us to trust Jesus with whatever's going through in our lives at the moment. And we pray that we might, gracious Father, show the difference he makes in our lives. May we prove and vindicate to all around us the truth and wonderfulness of his wisdom by our deeds and the way we live our lives. So Lord, please comfort us by your spirit. Father, make us more like your son by your spirit. We ask this coming to you in Jesus' name. Amen.